If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. My grandmother used to always say, there are only two things you need to focus on when you're in a room. And she's like, I know you want to be liked, but that ain't it. And she's like, I know you want to be popular. This is not it. She said, you need to be the hardest working person in the room and the kindest person in the room. If you can do both of those things, it is going to take you everywhere you want to go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Art Dirt. My name is Leslie Moody Castro, and I am here with a friend and someone I very much admire, Harrison Guy. Hi, Harrison. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm also very lucky that I got to spend the entire day with you today. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, so much fun. It was great. <laughs> it was so it's so inspiring to see your work, which we're going to talk about. But I want you to actually introduce yourself and your actual like full title because it's I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, for sure. So I'm the director of arts and culture for the Fifth Ward Cultural Arts District. I am also the founder and artistic director of Urban Souls Dance Company. Yes, you are. <laughs> Actually, let's start there. Um, tell me about your background in the dance company and in yeah. dance and performance and sure. choreography. So I grew up in like a community that really was very creative and really pushed for us to do plays and things on holidays and things like that. So I've always been around like performance, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so danced a little at the studio. I'm from Lamarck, Texas, and we had like this small dance studio, like this mom and pop studio that would, whenever she needed boys, she would let us kind of partner with the girls. So I got to do that a couple of times growing up. And I definitely knew I was bit by the bug when it happened because I was, I loved it so much, but we only did it every now and then. Um, and so I didn't get to really, really do dance as a, you know, perf- like as a track for professional dancing until I got to college. I went to Prairie View and saw the modern dance troupe. And I was like, that is what I've been looking for. So started dancing at Prairie View. It was a very fast track to while I was dancing in college at Prairie View. Um, the Alvin Ailey School did an audition in Houston and I went and got into the school for the summer and went for the summer and was like, I need to be dancing. And so ended up kind of staying in New York a little bit, uh, dancing a lot, um, not loving New York and deciding, (laughs) I want to go back to Texas. I got to get back to Houston. But I love dancing. Um, So I came back to Houston and I was just like, I love dancing so much. And so I helped to start two dance companies, two modern dance companies in Houston and dance with one of them for several years. Um, And then just feeling like, oh, my God, I have a voice. I want to say something. And so I started pulling people together every Sunday just to take dance with me for free. I'm just like, come move with me for sun-. And that turned into Urban Souls. Before I knew it, people were looking around the room like, is this a dance company? And I'm like, no, it's just class. And then they were like, we should perform. And I'm like, we should. And so from the, it was a very organic, like, it's a very Houston thing, right? It's just like, it organically happened. It wasn't pretentious. It wasn't like, you know, the Harrison Guy show. It was very much just like a group of people who wanted to move and dance with me became Urban Souls. But that's like, that's, that's so much of what you do, right? Like you, you are so good at finding a way to turn something into something. Like you're such a doer. And how did that, how did you go from, 
you know, your dance choreography background and these companies and into what you're doing now in the Fifth Ward yeah. and the the urban development, I guess, or revitalization, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, I have always worked collaboratively. I loved even when I was putting on dance shows, like, I'm like, oh, this would be so great if I had a poet, like, before to open us up. And then I started dabbling with live musicians. And so I kind of became this kind of, like, mixed bag of all the great things that Houston have. And then it came, I want people to know about all these great people. And so even when I don't use them for a piece, how can we stay connected? And so I started to kind of feel like this kind of, like, catalyst for things for a little while and then from there I just I've always been interested in community and I started to get involved in in the LGBTQ activism space which has a lot of intersections of like civics and you got to meet the politicians and know who they are and how the things work and so really when I started to like I joined the GLBT caucus and I started to meet politicians and I started to go into rooms and I'm like there are no artists in these rooms. Like they would always, I would always be like, y'all know how amazing this conversation would be if you had a choreographer or a visual artist in this. I mean, they would be really having conversations where I'm like, that's what we do as artists. Like we literally problem solve for that. And so that's when I said, we need to be in more spaces that are political and are, are doing more things. And then from there, I started to say, I want to do more for like community and city with art. Cause I see the intersection now. I believe the sweet spot is where all these things meet. Um, and so that's how I kind of landed on commu- on like art leadership and community revitalization. Is that's kind of how I ended up there. Mm-hmm. When it's, I think what you said is so important too. The the fact that like as artists, what we do is find solutions to things, right? Like that is so many artists' practices that I know because it's true. Like the, we make the things that exist in the world, right? It's yes. like, and there's no rubric or one way to do anything. And so it's yes. like, how does this solution also become malleable and flexible to what it needs to be? Yes, which I think is super interesting yeah because a lot of times you have the vision in your head but the problem solving to getting there is a big part of the practice right and so many of our practices are like that like with dance you're moving all these bodies around but then you get to a space and you see oh my god the stage is super small everyone has to immediately start problem solving about space and what can we do and how do we adjust and it's so quick and in the moment that we just it's just in our nature but it really is problem solving so you think about something like traffic trying to solve a problem with traffic asking a choreographer or having a choreographer to help you problem solve space. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've seen how that can work now. And it's so funny. One time I was at a meeting and I had convinced the room to bring some artists into this, uh, this conversation that had nothing to do with art. And they started off kind of being, this is impossible. And I was like, okay, you have artists in the room who literally know how to create nothing, you know, something from nothing. Yeah. We're not going to believe that it's impossible. So right. we're not starting there. No. And it was just this moment where by having artists in the room, it raised their level of thinking to thinking, oh, it is possible. Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, very few things in the world are impossible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really, I think it's really cool to also see the creative process in action like that. Yeah. Um So we spent the day together and we started at the Deluxe Theater this morning, which is a very special place in the Fifth Ward that I want you to talk about a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, sure. So the Deluxe Theater is on Lines Avenue in Fifth Ward is the hub of creativity and nostalgia for the community. And it opened in 1941 and ran as a film house from 1941 to 1969, uh, closed in 1969 and reopened for a very special art exhibition called The Deluxe Show, which was the first interracial art exhibition in the United States. It was funded by the Damon Nils. I think this is just incredible. Like this part of this history is so important. And the fact that it isn't as well known as it should be. It's like, it's like the first time that black and white artists showed together was at a deluxe theater in fifth ward. You know, that is such a great 
story is so Houston. You know, I love that story so much because I'm like, that is so Houston. It, of course it happened in Houston. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it closed in 1971 after that exhibition. They had a few more community exhibitions that I think was led by Dr. Warlaw, who's over at TSU. And I think um, a, after that, two iterations of that, it just stayed vacant from like 1973 to 2015 is when it was revitalized as the space that it is now. And so now it is a full theater. We show films. It has a proscenium theater for Perform staged performances. It has a gallery space that's connected to it as a community space, and so now it really has been reimagined as like this community hub. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is that it is like this. We talked about it. This tangible physical hub right that like it's the conduit for so many of the things that you're doing which one of the very exciting things that you're doing of all the exciting things that you're doing is this sort of artist um, community that is being built currently you have your first artist in residence which is very exciting and the ways that you're thinking about sort of like urban redevelopment in this is really special and thoughtful um talk to us about the the community. Yeah, so the Deluxe Villages is connected to the Deluxe because it's literally 15 cottages that are right behind the Deluxe Theater. And so what we wanted to do with this with this kind of village of cottages is reimagine it to be an affordable housing project for artists. And I thought this was such a needed and unique opportunity for us to create housing that's affordable according to what the artists say is affordable. So artists have been involved in everything from telling us how much the rent is to the floor plan to the, I mean, it's just been great to have artists be a part and to center them in a development, in a housing development. I don't know that I, as an artist, have ever felt that from a housing perspective, I kind of had a lot of anxiety about applying for apartments and things yeah. like that. Um, so it's really great to flip that and just say, it's about you first, and then we'll work our way back from there. Yeah. Um, and so the it'll be 10 houses that will have affordable housing. These are live-create spaces, so they're designed that you, you have a lot of space to do your work and create, and then you, you also can live there. And then there are three houses that will be artists in residence, and we, our hope is that we have three diverse, um, diverse and disciplined artists that that live there and in exchange for rent instead of paying rent they will have the opportunity to produce art programming in the community and so what I love most about this project is that this isn't a transactional opportunity for artists it's an art it's an opportunity for artists to live in this community to be a part of this community to meet the people your neighbors that live next door and I think that's such a unique opportunity yeah I mean even when we were walking around today someone honked their horn and waved at you you know yeah. it was like it's, how artists are going to be involved in the community is also going to be a reflection of how you are involved in the community which is really real yeah. and you are very much a part of this community which has been so inspiring to see and to watch yes. how long has this artist community been in development yeah i think it's been in development about maybe two and a half years um i think the act i mean the idea you know from concept Mm -hmm. right and i think that the actual working on it has maybe been a little over a year um so our current artist in residence has only been in there five months it's very new Mm -hmm. um, but it's the first house was completed and we saw an opportunity to get someone in there um and so we did and so it's still like a, a very new project and still has a little ways to go um and right now we're at the preservation project project part of it where we are carefully demolishing one of the houses that will go away to allow for some green space and we are taking like the wallpaper and the slacks and the doors and doorknobs and we have an artist Anthony Suber who's leading us in preserving these things to then create art pieces for um, each one of the the cottages mm-hmm. and so it's just a way to keep a little of the history there because mm-hmm. we are creating them to shine them up they're going to look new they're going to feel new this cottage you, is really nice it's really nice right <laughs> and so it's like how do you keep some of that history 
kind of here. I love that the footprint still looks the same. So community members that have driven by this these cottages for decades will still see the same thing and it won't be removed from their experience of the community. Well, and they've been there. Yeah. Like all of, all these cottages have been there. Oh, yeah. um, so they're just being purposed into this thing part, as part of this. Yes, and yeah. it was really important for us to keep the look of them, right? Not to make them too new and, to, yeah. and the personality of them to be too foreign. Um, to the community, and so even though they it, they look brand new, they still keep the same facade, and they still look the same, and they're still in the same placement. Mm-hmm. And I do think, from a per- preservation standpoint, there is something about keeping that the same that should yeah. be important because memory is really key, right? Yes, you said this so many times. Memory is monument, but I, and and in that, with these houses, like these 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 cottages are so typical of Houston architectural history. Mm-hmm. And it's it was really cool to see the contrast of like the older ones that are going to be um, renovated or upgraded versus what the new one looks like, which is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Just freshened up and brought to today. But keeping like how do you move forward and look back at the same time is something I'm constantly exploring with the Mm -hmm. community projects that we do, because I think that's the bridge that messes us up Mm -hmm. when we do one and without the other. You leave somebody out. Mm -hmm. The newer residents are just like what the older residents are like, I don't feel I'm not connected to that. So it's always about bridging both. And Mm -hmm. I think if we can do more of that, it won't work for every project. But the more projects that do encompass both looking back while moving forward it allows more people in and then you get that buy-in for the projects when it doesn't meet that need you have that trust that okay i know that's not every project right well you said a lot too like memory is the asset right memory is the asset that is sort of driving a lot of this and you also said memory is monument was it so so we 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 we, um our projects are based on um this thought process that memory builds the monument and so the way that we look at it is that if your capital, if you don't have a lot of assets in your community because they're gone for a lot of different reasons that were, that were beyond your control, the one thing that you do have is your memory. No one can take that from you. No one can. You own it. It's yours. And so if we look at the memories as the capital and we start to build from that, we're starting from a place of asset versus de- deficit. Like. Mm-hmm. All of our community members have memories, right? And so we've really used that as a starting point and a launch pad for how we do the projects. And so a lot of our projects are history-based because of that. Because it's like, yeah, it is a new thing, but it's reaching back to that old memory. Like the Deluxe Theater, I think, is a great way of, of, of encapsulating that. Well, it looks like the old space. It is new. It is re, it is a redesign. It is fresh. It, they did an amazing job with it. But when people come here, they think it's the old building. That nostalgia is the connection. That's the bridge. If it was a brand new theater that that was totally new, you would lose that and people would have a they wouldn't have the same uh, amount of pride. Right. And so I think that keeping it, you know, kind of core to its 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 first iteration was so key to building that bridge. Right. Well, and then so the theater also has an addition which was a furniture store. Yeah. And that's where a lot of public programming also happens and workshops and rentals, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that the idea to add a space onto what was already there that's the way to do it. Yeah. So don't tear it down and build something new. 
just add something new to what they already yeah. see as the old thing. And that was like a really, really great decision. So we have this space now where the deluxe theater is it's limited, right? There's only the 125 seats. There's only the stage. But now we have this space next door where you can have meetings and parties and, and art exhibitions. Just You can dream a little bit more right. off the stage because they added that space. Which the stage is beautiful. I, oh. That theater is intimate and lovely and special and you're on the stage with the performers basically yeah, you're it's so very close intimate. it's very yeah. special and it makes you feel like you're a part of the show and i think that part of the show part of the community there's something about the closeness and intimacy that is kind of the driving spirit of all these things right mm-hmm. you don't want art the art projects to feel like they're away from the people mm-hmm. you want art for the people and of the people it's mm-hmm. all mixed in and so it's a way that you can always remember the humanity of these projects mm-hmm. is that the closeness makes you look I mean we had a dance company that literally said it feels like the audience is on the stage with me like I can see their eyeballs <laughs> and I'm like yeah that is close yes that's really <laughs> Close. Say hello. <laughs> but it's really special. Yeah. And like how we talked a little bit about this, but how are you sort of bridging the gap between like memory, history, community that is already there with like bringing in artists that are of Houston, from Houston, from the community, but also of other places? How yeah, do you do sure. that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always have a priority for what I call neighborhood artists. And what how I define neighborhood artists is I literally say, what's your fifth word story? Mm-hmm. And when I say, what's your fifth word story? I get everything from my grandparents went to church here to I literally grew up here to I just am a fan of this community. Like I can just, it feels like home for me. Um, and so that mix of just opening it up to say what's your fifth ward story it allows more people in and it's more inclusive mm-hmm. um, because if I just said you know you have to have been born and raised in fifth ward you miss a lot of people yeah. who also define this as their chosen community they chose it for some for different reasons um, and so that's the kind of way that I, I determine like a neighborhood artist and that has really helped us to zoom out and to allow so many people in so like a project that we just worked on with our we have these number fives that are all along Lions Avenue where artists took them and did their thing with them and did whatever they wanted with them and we placed them out as a public art project. They're, they're actually like physical number they're fives. physical number yeah. fives. I think they're about four feet tall um, and, they're, and, and they are so beautiful. And what is amazing is that two schools did them. So Wheatley High School, Yes Prep in Fifth Ward. So we had two schools do them. But we also had artists that live in the community to do them. And then we had fans of the community to do them. And so that was, the pro- that was a project that gave 11 different art entities or people or individuals an opportunity to plug into the community in a way. And so I think that project really speaks to what I want to do, mm-hmm. which is to not leave anyone out. Mm-hmm. Still have community at the at the as a priority and as at the center, but to know that true community reaches it it's it is it's expansive. It's not just about the streets, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's about the spirit. You know, and so I love the people who say, I grew up in this church. Like I didn't live in this community, but I was in Fifth Ward like for choir rehearsal one day a week and also on Sundays. And I'm like, this is your community. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well and, and tell us a little bit about the community. What's the community makeup of the Fifth Ward? Yeah, so right now it's 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 fifty fifty both black and Latin. And so it's it, it has this really nice mix of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it allows us to uh, honor the the black historical nature of the community, but to then learn new things about this new group of people who have come to the community who there's a shared kind of 
a vibe between people of color, but there's also very unique differences, right? And so it learns us not to just come together and celebrate all the time. It learns us to have very hard conversations about privilege, you know, about uh, nuance and, and, and details of community and identity. Um, but it also does allow us to celebrate too, because that is, there is that common thread of what it means to be a person of color right. in this society, right? And so it is this kind of great just opportunity to bridge, you know? And so I think the 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 common kind of thing for me is I'm always trying to bridge somewhere. Is it artists to the community? Is it, you know, is it the levels of socioeconomic within the black community? Is it Latin to black? Like, is it is it Muslim? And because we have a lot of diversity of religions in Fifth Ward too. Yeah, absolutely. Had not thought of that one until we started meeting with people and learning like, oh, there's more diversity than we planned for. Um, but how do you bridge all these things? And I think the values of bridging comes to respect and listening that you can just translate to each group. Literally, everyone just wants to feel heard, respected, and validated, right? And that's a common human it's thing. Common. It's a human thing. <laughs> we all want to feel validated. It's a human thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah we all want to feel validated. We all want to feel like we are people in the world, right? Like, that's, that's so... That's... That's something that everyone, I think, shares. I, um, I believe that, too. Yeah. And I think that, like, one of the other things that you were doing are some of the, like, yes, you're bringing in artists from other places, and you're kind of expanding the conversation of, of creatives and creative voices in the community. But one thing that we talked about a little bit, too, is how, like, there's also a connectivity between, like, established artists and neighborhood, and, like, having the number five by Brother Jesse Lott there is something really special. Yeah, it's and, and it's, it's so, what's so interesting is that you have, like, this power player in Texas art, right? Jesse Lott, who did a five. And then you have these students at Yes Prep who barely have an art teacher like yeah. they're hanging on to, to 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 have that and that's just the that's the nature of arts and education in Houston but that 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 difference of they both did a five yeah they're both on lions people are going to see them both um I love that and I think that is a way to level it out you know right that that is a way to say well at the core of this at the heart of this it's creativity it's totally horizontal it's totally horizontal when you really think about it because no, I, we gave no direction. So Jesse Lott can do whatever he wanted with his five, and these students can do whatever what they want with their five, right? right. And so it allowed him to be as like as as kind of intellectual with his with his project as he wanted to, and it allowed them to be as experimental with theirs if they wanted to. They right. felt no pressure to like do a thing that they don't have a canon, right? They don't have a resume. They're just like, we want to make a five look pretty, and I'm like, that's. That's, That's valid. That's valid. That's what you want. <laughs> and he was just like, I want my five to be active. I want people to tag it and add to it. My concept is engagement. Cool. That's cool, too. But both of them, in the same project could hold. And that's, that's the question, right? How do we create projects that can hold that diversity of even um, um, of, of career, right? Yeah. Of, of someone who's novice, maybe, or just learning about art can do the same project as someone who has an extensive career and they both feel like, I love doing this project. Yeah, yeah, it's really special. And I think one of the other things was to to see how active and involved you are in the community and also very um, protective of the community. Um, so tell us about the Music Museum. Yes. So, Which I absolutely love. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this project. <laughs> so one of the things that is difficult about doing community art projects is we know that art is expensive. Art is expensive. Yeah, and we know that most communities don't have a bank of money waiting to do art projects. And so figuring that piece out is so tricky. But one of the things I wanted to do is to explore what's a creative, innovative way that we can still have assets in the community that doesn't rely on us 
having a capital campaign for 10 years? Like, what can we do right now? And so I started to kind of bank what are the vacant spaces in Fifth Ward and created this opportunity to do this thing that I'm calling swing spaces. So, and just to clarify, you have been in this role for four years. For four years. And so you you started kind of putting a database together of of empty vacant spaces yes, in the I two years. Yes, I literally drove around. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to roll down the address. I'm like, who knows this building? Who owns this? And it is so great because you can just tell people and they're like, oh, the orange building? Oh, the Fifth Ward CRC owns that. Like, people just know who owns what building. So it was, it was kind of easier than I thought. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of collected which ones were looked like it would be great for something. I don't know what. And um, there was this chapel at the corner of, of Lyons Avenue there. And I was just like, this would be so cool as a museum. And then once I started to learn the history, I learned that the music history of Fifth Ward is robust. It is it is crazy how many musical artists came out of Fifth Ward. And so I was like, oh, my God, we got to figure out a way to put this in one place so everybody can learn about this, right? And so I asked the owner of this chapel if I could – I built a relationship with him over two years, right? Mm-hmm. He had his 80th party at the Deluxe, and that's how I met him, and found out he had some 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 um, some properties in Fifth Ward, found out the chapel was one of his, and I was like – oh my God, I think this would be such a cool project. So I, I didn't want to like bombard him with that idea at first because he didn't know me and I didn't want him to think I was trying to take his his um, property and I wanted him to know it was truly community-minded. So I really spent two years getting to know him, um, kind of planting the seeds. And- I mean, when you say getting to know him, you told me it was like, you know, you see him hanging out at his porch and so you go and say hi and you sit with him and just oh, like absolutely. chat. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and You make and, friends. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if he was out on his porch, I was gonna drive by. Yeah. I was gonna get out and go talk to him and just talk about everything. And one of the things he really, really truly loved was the nostalgia of the community. He would want to tell me like how it used to be. And I would love that so much because he would just light up when he would talk about it. And that's most people in Fifth Ward. Their, their pride for the community when they talk about it's just so infectious um but so I spent that time with him and pitched it to him after two years and he just said yes he was like absolutely he's like do what you want with it that's such a great idea and so I'm so happy that we got a yes for our first one and so now we will have a it's a five-year project so it's it's intended to really to really lean into this idea that things don't have to last forever to be impactful having people go into a space for five years to learn about the musical history of Fifth Ward that's enough. Yeah, yeah. That is good. Things don't have to live forever. They don't have to live forever. <laughs> and I actually even like it being timed because then you can think about what else. Yeah. Once you create something that's going to live forever, you're trying to make it live forever. You spend all your time trying to make it live forever. And it, it, it's hard to squeeze a new idea in there, right? Yeah. But when you say you, we're at our third year, we're like, we got two more years on this. What's next? What, yeah. are we gonna do? what else can we do, right? And so I such love- a, That's such a refreshing way oh, of thinking, I, too. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I kind of was, was one of those forever people, too for a long time because that's just what you learn right the way legacy right and like you built a thing that lasts longer than you like yeah. those were kind of the but those things are are almost really really difficult for communities to do if you don't have a organized structured mechanism to make them to, to build them and to sustain them right. you'll never have anything and so I said if 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 we are going to have assets we have to be creative or we're going to be waiting a long time yeah. And we don't have time to wait. Like, you know, we need to capture this now because I want so many people to see it. Yeah. And people start in the community. Once you get close to the community and you, and you meet the elders, you learn that there is a limit on time for them. Yeah. And I want to show them as much as I can. And so that gave me an expediency that um, an urgency, right, that, that let's do this now. Let's not wait. And so when you start to think about that and you process, I want to do this now with what I have, 
there are some limitations, but there's also some opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I took that opportunity to say, let's just build with what's here. And so I'm going to scratch at this vacant space to get as much done as we can right now mm -hmm. until we attract the things we ha we can attract to build new things, mm -hmm. right? And the chapel is beautiful. And the oh, ways in so which beautiful. it's being restored, yeah. like you're not bulldozing it. You're not really changing the interior by any means. Like it's... It's getting a polish is what yeah, you called it. I, I love that. Polishing it up. And, and because what's important to me is like when people pass by, it is a new idea, right? It is being repurposed. So perhaps you went to a funeral there 20 years ago, right? But you're seeing it now. It's still a sacred space. Mm -hmm. It is honoring something that people maybe thought was dead, right? Mm -hmm. It's reviving this musical history, but it looks the same. And we talked about this too. Where it's reviving this musical history and music is so much a part of worship. Oh, so and such a part. There the are all these connections, going to church. Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, and there is a gospel um, section in in in. In, in the museum that will honor the gospel legacy of Fifth Ward, which is really, really extensive as well. So it's one of those projects where you, you know, I, I, I had to really accept the fact that the community is enough. It's already enough, right? And so I don't need to find new things. I just need to celebrate, take some time to celebrate what was already there first yeah. and then think about the new things. But there's so much that hasn't been told that people don't know that I think we're going to get a lot of great projects out of yeah. the history. Yeah. When does the museum open? So we're really, it'll definitely be this year. So we're really, we're literally doing into the reno right now. So I'm really hoping that by maybe the end of March, it'll be ready to go. Okay. So we already have our fabrication company we already have some content partners um, we're at the step now we're about to put it out to call out to the community to see what the community has that they would want to share so it's moving and it's moving fast and so I'm super super excited about it um, it's so funny every time I tell you know a community member about it, they're like yes they're like just yes like that they they are so like yes it's past dude we should have we should have done this years ago and so they are so on board with it because they all kind of know how many great musicians came out of the, the community. I had no idea. Yeah, so what happened was um, Wheatley High School had a really great band program. And so when celebrities would come to play at the club matinee, which was a was the live music venue in Fifth Ward for the Chitlin Circuit, they would get their musicians from Wheatley. And a lot of, a lot of like, Little Richard literally got his touring band from Wheatley High School. Wow, I had no idea. Yes, he talks about it a little bit in some of his interviews, but... That was the legacy. A lot of greats would come into 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 Houston, play at Club Matinee, and a lot of those uh, mu music artists would, would play for them while they were here. They would establish a relationship, and then they would be on the road. And so that would happen so often. And then Peacock Records, which was Motown before there was a Motown, was in Fifth Ward. And so there's this legacy of, like, music, of like, recording music in Fifth Ward. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and this is not even scratching the surface. It's wow. just that's not even getting to the individuals that, that just grew up in Fifth Ward that played the world, you know, and so, you know, that, that we did a documentary called uh, Memory Builds the Monument about Club Matinee, and that's where it became very obvious that we have to do something with the music. Like, it's, it's not normal that this much music history is in one community. Yeah. Not a city, a community, yeah, one, a, sub, a subset of the city, right, right? Yeah. And so it became very clear, like, we should do something for that. And then once I started talking to, like, true historians, they were like, oh, yeah, like, duh. And I'm like, we got to do this. I wish that, like, listeners could see my face right now. <laughs> uh, like, because it's not that it's just in one community. It's in one community of a giant city. Yeah. <laughs> like, Houston's always been a big city, right? And yeah. so, like, for it to be that concentrated and that special is really something. Yeah. And then to see the work that you're doing, um, we talked about the violin program. Oh, yeah. So when I first started in Fifth Ward, um, every community meeting, they really pushed me to try to figure out 
how do we do something for the kids? Mm-hmm. They were like, we'll, we'll figure it out as adults, right? We can, we can figure it out. But we really would love to create more things for the kids to do. And so I had the opportunity to work with the Houston Symphony on a, on a community concert. Which I also will add, creating programming for children is something you love to do. Oh, I love When they said that, the pressure was off. Because I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to so love this. Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of pressure with the adult things. Because, you know, adults can be so, like, niche. We're a very complex group. We're a very complex group. But kids, I'm like, oh, I can do that. You know, I can try a bunch of stuff with kids. Um, So, yeah, so I got the opportunity to create this violin program called In Harmony through the Deluxe Theater. So the the kids, we have a musical theater program and we have a violin program. And the Deluxe Theater is their home performance space. What I love about the musical theater kids rehearse at the Deluxe. So they come to the Deluxe, they perform at the Deluxe. What's special about the violin program is it's a community-based program that's at Bruce Elementary. So we're using a local elementary school as an asset for the kids to rehearse there and practice and learn there, but they perform at the Deluxe. And kids come from all over the community for this program. And I really, really love that because one of the things that makes me, uh, that keeps me up at night is the lack of arts and education at schools. And so I'm trying to figure out how can we do some community programming that solves for that, right? How can we create some music programs? And of course, I want to do dance. And then we we have the musical theater and we'll figure out visual art. And then there are new industries, film and podcast. All these things are coming up. So how do we not rely so heavily on schools to the point to where when it's missing, it's detrimental. Right. Right. Which is something we also like, I mean, music in my life was so very important as you said, it was important, obviously important in your life as like a choreographer and performer. And for me, it's something that I really think like it activated a part of my brain that like helped me become bilingual later on in life. Oh, definitely. I wasn't really good academically. Like I just never was that student. But I will say, if anything helped me to get out of school, it was the fact that I was in band. Mm -hmm. There was just something about using my brain to, like, learn. I mean, music is hard. Music is hard. Learning music is hard. That's a language. Music theory is hard. So much so that I thought I was going to be a band director because I was so inspired Mm -hmm. by my band director. They were amazing. And I was like, I want to be like them. So I I get to college. I take my first music theory class. I'm like, this is like science and math rolled into one. Yeah. I, I don't like this. <laughs> I just want to play my instrument. <laughs> I'm like, but it made me respect them even more because I was like, wow. I mean, they knew how to do the social thing and the, the fun part of, of band, but they their study part was like math and, and science. I, I just had a deeper respect. Um, but then it also let me know what level of thinking it took for us to learn music yeah. and key changes and key signatures and blah, blah, blah. And I was in marching band, so you're learning to march and play. There's all these skills wrapped up into music that I I also attribute, like a lot of my thought process and being able to think differently and to think quickly um, to really music education. I attribute so much of like my creative thinking to music education because it is like, learn, like music theory and reading music is a whole other language. Whole other language. Yeah, and the fact that you're giving these kids the opportunity to have that outside of the school. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. We have a student who played one note his first concert and ran off the stage. And we just had a concert recently where they played five songs. And at the end of the concert, he was like, oh, my God, Mr. Guy, I played every song, but I cannot learn the end of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. He's (laughs) like, it's too hard. I can't do it. I said, listen, you went from playing one note to playing four and a half songs. Are you not proud of yourself? He's like, of course I'm proud of myself. But his mom was watching him practice before we went out, and she's just in tears, and just she just kept mouthing, he's doing it. He's doing it. And it was just so cool to see what that can do. You know, that opportunity and that 
and it's the violin. Like we're not ta- this. Do not we're not using like your voice. Like it's no, the violin. It, it, you got to learn how to hold it, and it takes so long before it sounds good. It's a challenge. It's a true, true challenge. And I think that you know the the confidence that that's going to help him with. You know. Oh, completely. That like the performance confidence. Yeah. Like it's going to be amazing for him. Violin's hard. I took violin lessons for something like a year and I never got it. <laughs> I could never figure out how to hold it. It's hard. That's an amazing, amazing program that you're I'm doing. I'm so excited for them. It's really cool. Yeah. And we're using kind of like social skills as a big part of it too. So we, you know, talk about community pride and community building. We're finding ways to build that into it too. So it, it falls in line with all the things that we want Fifth Ward to be artistically. Um, it falls in line with that. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to create that. It's also been really inspiring to watch how you are – doing this sort of like development developer like projects but it's it's all arts led and creativity led which is really innovative and very rare yeah well one of the core principles of the fifth ward cultural arts district really talks about art artists as leaders Mm -hmm. and really seeing artists being centered in these projects Mm -hmm. so it's not like you know, because it's a development company that's doing art, it's like we know all the things and we provide these opportunities and you just do the art thing, right? right? It's like, no, yeah, you make the decisions about the floor plan of this village. You make the decision about how much the rent should cost, what's true, like what's how do, what's the scale. You, t- you tell us all these things about the project. And so it really is artists at the forefront and being seen as leaders as we as artists should be seen as leaders in a community right absolutely and so yeah I think that is really really innovative and I can feel that artists feel valued when we engage them I can tell that they feel valued they're a little skeptical at first Um, I remember it took a long time even the name of the village is they named it deluxe villages but when we were talking to the artists our artists kind of advisory board they were just like you want us to name it? We're like, yeah, like what? It, give us some names, and they. It was so like unassuming that they were just kind of like, okay, right. and and so when it ended up being the Deluxe Village, it was their idea, and they watched kind of like you know you check off these notes of like, okay, they were listening, and they really do want to hear our voice. It's like, yes, these yeah. projects are yours, and to it builds own. trust. Yeah, yeah, it builds trust all every every which way. It's amazing. So you have the music museum happening. You have the potential of another building next door. Um, and you have the village happening. What are some of the other exciting things in the future that are coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I think the festival, we have an annual festival called the Lions Avenue Rena- Renaissance Festival, and it's last year we celebrated the 10 years, and it's really like the street party of the street parties, and so we're super excited about growing that. Mm-hmm. It's It's gone from like, you know, uh, a block party basically to a four-stage festival. And so we want to continue to grow that as like an opportunity for the art every year for the community to come together and celebrate together. Mm -hmm. I love that we have that annual check-in, right? Like we do all these amazing things and we might miss the mark for celebrating because we're moving to the next thing. But it it allows us a day to slow down and to celebrate each other and where the community is going and include and, and welcome new people in. So I love that. And I think I'm really excited about Meow Wolf coming to Fifth Ward. Oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about that yeah. yet. Yeah, and so I was introduced to Meow Wolf because they wanted me to kind of help them to imagine how to enter the community in a thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. And so um, I contracted with them to help them to understand the community and to, and to think about the community, to meet the community. I've introduced them to a lot of the people in the community. Um, and so I went to Santa Fe. I, did, I, I knew nothing about Meow Wolf before this. Mm-hmm. I 
went to Santa Fe and, and saw um, the exhibition that's in Santa Fe. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is so cool. So I'm so excited about having this in Fifth Ward because the community, it will be the proximity to the community is amazing. But I'm also great that it's a it's a it's a it's a business model that really is conscious and really responsible and they want to get it right. That's not to say it's easy. That's not to say conver- very hard conversations haven't been had, yeah. but they're open to listening. Right. I think that, you know, doing it right is the hardest part. Oh, it's so hard. Because yeah, It takes so much work to get there. Yeah. And so many voices have to be heard. So many and voices have to be heard. Yeah. And you, you have this idea of like this amazing thing you want to do. And the more people you let in, the more you learn that, well, not that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. we like that, but not that. And you have to, you have to constantly, if you are listening and you're true about it, you have to constantly adjust your vision, yeah. Yeah. which is, it's hard. It is, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of confidence to do that as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and to be in great relationship with your ego. Yeah, you have to be in great relationship with your ego to say, I do have this idea, and I know how this can work. But I'm so open to hearing how it should work for this time, you know, which is different from from every exhibition is in a new city and it's different. Houston is very different than Santa Fe and Denver, where they have some other exhibitions. So I have become so excited about this opportunity just because I, I see these these art installations as opportunities to go dream a day, yeah. you know, to spend some time in something that's just like dreamy and creative and like there aren't a lot of spaces that allow that everything looks like real life and reminds you about real life and it's like just to get away and fantasy and dream that's important too it is important and I have to say too um it's also incredibly inspiring to see the way that you collaborate and how many partnerships you have been able to create to make these dreams happen oh my goodness I I I I used to think you get extra points for doing things by yourself Mm -hmm. that is not true. No. <laughs> you only get exhaustion <laughs> at the true. end. It's That's true. your prize. Is it your Congratulations, you're tired. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On to the next thing to be tired again. Yeah. Um, and so I've just kind of learned that I think we're at our, if I truly want to give this community the best, I know that ev- I'm not the best for everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if I want to give them- It takes a, a lot of confidence to say that. Oh my goodness. If I want to give them an amazing music program, who does music? If we want to, if we, we want to figure out this film thing. Who's doing film? It ain't me, you know. Like, and so collaboration, I think, is key, and I think it also speaks to community building. Like, I think all of this is just community building. It's hearing more voices, allowing more voices in, allowing them to lead, uh, respecting them. All these skills that we think are soft, they're not soft. They're essential to, you know, the 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 these being really really successful. These yeah. projects being successful is so essential, and I like being the person who can admit that. And who can say caring about each other is not a soft skill. We won't do this right if we don't care about each other. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I use love a lot with my partners, with, you know, my staff. We talk about love all the time. And it, it is not unheard of for you to hear, walk around a deluxe and hear, oh, my God, I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, because I think it's okay to allow that in. Yeah. You know, I, if it's community, how can you not talk about feelings, right? How can you not feel a thing, right? And so I try to do that with our partners, too. So we have a lot of partners, and we really do like collaborating. And I... I have just, it's just a sweet spot when you see somebody working in their lane. It's just like, yes, you get so inspired by yeah, that, Yeah, right? totally. Well, and then everyone learns. Yeah, and everyone learns. And so that, yeah, collaboration is, is, is the way forward. Now, it doesn't remove the work. You're still tired, you know what I mean? But you're not as tired. Right. You're, you're sharing You're sharing the exhaustion. There's shared agency and exhaustion. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Build skills for the future as yes. well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, Harrison, thank you so much. I could sit here and talk to you all day. I have, actually. Yes, Um, you have. I'm really the lucky one in all of this because 
I had you all day. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Really it's been really good that. to see you. Thank you for having me. You know, this has been really special. I love, I don't get to talk about what we do a lot. You should. Yes. I'm <laughs> always doing. We're always doing. and We're, more, we're, we're so on to the next thing. But just hear, talking about it and remembering all the people that have made these projects work, mm-hmm. it's just it's so sweet. It's inspiring to see you work and it's inspiring to see you in the community, you at the theater. It just is, it's all really inspiring and it's, it's listeners, please pay attention to everything that Harrison is doing because it's amazing and it's beautiful and it is actually serving people in the community who are asking for it. And so thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to see you. Good to see you too. And this is our edition of Art Dirt. Everyone, thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.